Hello, everyone. This is your host, SARM First Class Arslan Khan, with the Warrant Officer Recruiting Company. And today, we will be exploring the 350 Fox Warrant Officer Military Occupation Specialty. Our special guest is CW3 Garrett Hopp from the 1st Special Forces Group, and he will be talking to us about what it means to be a Warrant Officer in the 350 Fox Warrant Officer Specialty. CW3 Hop, thank you so much for joining us today, and we are excited to hear your input to all the different ways that 350 Foxes contribute to mission accomplishment. Hello, it's great to be here. Thank you for hosting us, and I look forward to providing any insights uh, that I can to help people make the determination to become a 350 Fox. Sir, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences as a warrant officer and how you feel about serving in your warrant officer specialty? My Army story is a lot like everyone else's who joined in the aftermath of 9-11. I became a warrant officer after a couple of deployments where I had the privilege of serving with warrant officers who were stewards of their profession and consummate experts. It was a time where it became clear that by staying in NCO, I was going to steadily stop doing intelligence analysis and increasingly focus on non-analytical readiness tasks and admin, which is something I just didn't want to do. I love doing intelligence analysis in the Army, and I wanted to keep doing it. What's humorous is you fast forward 10 years, and now I find myself in a similar circumstance where you know doing becomes less and setting conditions becomes more important. But what's nice about being a warrant officer in the 350 Fox MOS is I get to make that choice rather than having it thrust upon me. It's about helping the cohort, helping teams, and setting these conditions while still doing some analysis. But that's that's been the great thing about being a warrant officer is you get to make the choice. Rather than being pushed somewhere, you're going to execute this with a knife hand. You get to kind of set yourself, your team, up for success. And you can choose to just, you know, get by to get by, which is always there. But then you got to acknowledge to yourself that you're letting your team down and you're not being a leader, you're not being a steward, you're not being a mentor, you're not being anything. And so I know there's a lot of people who feel that what they invest in the army, they don't get back. Me personally, almost pound for pound, I've gotten everything back that I've invested in the army. Now, I'll admit there's a limit to that. At some point, there's a you just invest and you get nothing back from the military, like a lot of things in life. So yes, there's been points I've invested a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into teams, into the army, and got nothing back. But I truly believe I've gotten so much more back, again, pound for pound, being a warrant with everything I've invested in people. You see that growth in young analysts, whether they stay in the army or not, team cohort cohesion, warrant officer cohort cohesion. There's just a lot you get back, and that's the beauty of it all. For the potential applicant listening, we have asked questions that most of us have when deciding to pursue a career as a 350 Fox warrant officer. And we would like to delve into some of these questions and get your take on some of the most crucial questions we all want to know. Let us begin by asking, what do warrant officers in your specialty do in a normal span of a duty day when they start out as a new warrant officer in the cohort? And how do those responsibilities evolve in more responsibilities later on? Well, for a 350 Fox, that's a loaded question. If you can think of a job position across the military where you can do it, that's a 350 Fox's position. 
There are 350 foxes in the Pentagon and geographic combatant commands, functional commands, material acquisition and testing commands at agencies at the strategic, operational, and tactical levels. There's no standard day for a 350 fox because what you do depends on the unit that you're in, the problem that you're dealing with. I mean, if we really push for a semblance of similarity, we're going to end up at three points. You're going to do the intelligence cycle, you're going to do JIPO, also known as IPB, and you're going to do targeting. If you're a targeting officer or collection manager, fusion chief, AMP, country team analyst, you're going to be doing these three things, regardless of where you're at. A 350 Fox's responsibilities evolve based on grade, position, and personal level of commitment. Senior 350 Foxes are about using their expertise to do warrant officer talent management, advise on intelligence workflows, influence intelligence systems procurement, assist analytical teams in orienting to problem sets, being the continuity of past success and failure, being a hub of human networking. Because what a lot of us learn at some point is who you know is as important as what you know. Why should someone pursue this type of commission? And what are some of the benefits they take in to the civilian world? A soldier should pursue this type of commission if they want to be a consummate expert within their field. If they want to know the ins and outs of your MOS, if you want to be a champion of your team, if you want to invest in your personal skill, if you want to lead, coach, mentor soldiers in their own MOS, if you want to give the best advice available to decision makers, if they want to minimize time spent on tasks that don't directly relate to soldier readiness or unit readiness, team readiness, mission readiness, then becoming a warrant officer is the path. The benefits in the civilian world boil down to two things, the classes you choose to take in the army and the expertise you are viewed with by business as looking to hire someone with a lot of proven capability. What advice would you give a young staff sergeant on the types of jobs they need to start working towards in their enlisted careers that will help them to achieve a commission as a 350 Fox warrant officer? The answer to that is as varied as the jobs we conduct. What I will say is if you play the game of statistics, the odds are as a W-1, you're going to be sent to a brigade within a division. That's a brigade combat team or combat aviation brigade, Devardi, etc., So the job that sets you up for success is something like a BCT, BICE, NCOIC, or a Division Fusion Team NCO. These jobs give you the context of what you can expect from a team of analysts at the tactical level in terms of production requirements and challenges. I'd also recommend jobs that expose you to collection asset capabilities because half of your job is knowing what platform can assist you in filling the intelligence gaps. What types of training can a young enlisted NCO benefit from when considering to pursue a career in the 350 Fox Warrant Officer Military Occupation Specialty? Well, that's a laundry list. Specific classes will get long, so I'll do my best to really just bucket this. First, attend courses that teach you how to research information about an area and evaluate its impacts on ground forces. Second, attend courses that teach about irregular warfare because special operation force experience, insight, and support will be critical to your trade craft wherever you're at. Third, Threat tactics courses are key because your whole existence rests upon being able to get ahead of enemy actions. Fourth, learn ISR capabilities because that is how you get intelligence in order to outwit the enemy. There's a whole host of 350 Foxes who always end up leading collection management teams. Fifth, our systems classes. There's this myth that warrants just QAQC products or they sit in red teams. They don't have to pull reporting or build products themselves. You know, the truth is, as a warrant, you're the one analytical teams look to to get through tough situations and to help them figure out how to do this analysis thing. 
where you're going to get information and everything. So you have to be very much willing to be into the trenches and understand how all of that works. So you got to learn the systems that you're going to work with and how to make them work to produce your required uh, product lines. Get comfortable with terms like CPOF, CPCE, FADE, Palantir, DSIGs, etc. Be comfortable in knowing what each system does and doesn't do. Finally, courses that teach you how to train is that last bucket. The MI training strategy or MITS isn't going anywhere and you're expected to lead, not manage, lead your team through that entire event and achieve success. What is the most common mistake made by applicants uh, when they're applying to the cohort and how can it be avoided? The response here is going to change each time you ask a different 350 Fox. My personal experience is the most common mistake is the belief that because you were a good NCO, you're ready to be a warrant officer. Most of the NCOs that have approached me have had two or three duty assignments where they were really good at a narrow set of tasks. They typically made really good presentations or analyzed a single problem set. So whenever they actually get pushed to look at a new problem set or go through those baseline activities in a time crunch, they start to freeze. It's really great that you were a good analyst, but are you a good leader? Are you a good manager? Are you a proactive problem solver? Big one right there. Are you a proactive problem solver? And can you effectively communicate? If you don't know the reps of the basics and how to do that under pressure on a problem set you're not familiar with and then lead a team through that and then communicate everything that you just learned in six hours, you're going to learn all about a country in six hours and somehow you have to make other people understand that and not look like you don't know what you're doing. You have to be solid there. And that's where I see a lot of uh, NCOs struggle when we go through our interview process. Sir, when approaching your unit um, officer in charge or the senior warrant officer for a letter of recommendation, what steps should an NCO take to position themselves in receiving a stellar letter of recommendation? And my previous response leads right into this. Be honest with your experience and capabilities. If you don't know what products are required out of IPB or what ISR capabilities exist or what databases offer the best information, then prepare to learn and not get a letter. Again, prepare to learn. Tenacity will become the word by which you live. Don't allow yourself to give up after the first no. Work with your senior warrant officer, get mentorship, grow and try again. All right, sir. What are the three best duty stations that one can expect to serve in while assigned as a 350 Fox warrant officer? Well, the three best duty stations are highly subjective. I mean, that's going to come down to where do you want to live? Where does your family want to live? What kind of unit you're going with? So there's no straight line. Although I think most of us agree that Drum and JRTC at Fort Polk are terrible options. What are some of the most important certifications and training experiences warrant officers should pursue in the course of their career in this warrant officer MOS and why? So the short answer there is it's completely subjective on what your analysis type is, what your personality type is, what your unit type is. Um, hopefully what you've picked up in this conversation so far is there, there's no set path. There's no one, two, and three, and then you're going to achieve success. Everything's very dependent on what's going on around you. Uh, what I will say is, again, the same thing we discussed in what courses a staff sergeant should take never really changes. You need to take those courses that improve your analysis, that improve your understanding of systems. But if there's really one style of courses that I can highly recommend, it's all of those uh, targeting courses. And I'm not talking about how do I put a warhead on a forehead. 
There's a intermediate de- uh, intermediate target development, basic target development standard developmental series put on by the Joint Targeting School. And that's something that generally isn't taught to us in the Army. And it's critical, especially as you get up to CW3, absolutely critical to understand the joint targeting process. Sir, on the subject of promotions, starting from W1, how long will it take in this warrant officer military occupation specialty to progress uh, through each rank uh, to reach CW5? The answer to that one is, I think it's on the order of 17 or 18 years, because two years from W1 to W2, and then every four years you get looked at in a board, on your fifth year you get promoted. So again, that's going to roll out to a number of about 17, 18 years to make CW5, if that's your goal. Sir, as one retires uh, from this warrant officer military occupation specialty, what are the lifelong organizations that one may take part in? as a former warrant officer, to champion issues concerning warrant officers exclusively? Well, there's only one real answer that comes to mind, and that's the United States of America Warrant Officer Association. You can Google that, and normally there's almost immediate means through your local chapter on any installation of warrant officer cohorts, a means to become a part of that. And they operate the same way as any other... I don't want to say lobbying group, but it's basically that, a lobbying group, lobbying on your behalf, campaigning on your behalf as a cohort to where the warrant officer corps needs to be, reinforce, get some training, uh, pay, etc. So it's a really great organization full of people just trying to do good things. Are there opportunities warrant officers have to give back to their communities in this warrant officer specialty? If so, could you tell us some of your experiences? Well, absolutely, there's opportunities for warrants to give back to their communities. I'm not exactly sure how that becomes a warrant-specific question because that's a humanity question. If you can volunteer as a private, an NCO, or officer, warrant officer, then yes, obviously you can volunteer and do things as a warrant officer. So there's nothing specific to a warrant officer within that. There's warrant officer chapters in every installation, and they organize events that go out into the community, but that's really based on the president and everybody that's elected to be a part of that community's board. So again, this is very personal and not something that, oh, now I'm a warrant, therefore opportunities open up, at least in my experience. That just doesn't exist. Thank you, sir. What is family life like as a 350 Fox warrant officer, and how can we best take care of our families as we embark on our quest to become a MI warrant officer? Well, the short answer to what family life is like as a 350 Fox is it's the exact same thing as being a 35 Fox NCO because you still have to lead, set the example. Typically, you're the first one in the office, the last one out of the office. So time gained from not being in the motor pool or you know not mowing dirt with a blade of grass on it is turned into you being in the office or you meeting with the commander or you meeting with other warrant officers or senior leaders, and a whole bunch of other regards. So you don't gain time simply by not doing your typical NCO things. You just reinvest that time somewhere else within the military and within the office. The one advantage you have over the NCO Corps is that you don't have to deal in the after hours with all those soldier fiascos and shenanigans that inevitably unfold, like the phone call, come get your soldier out of the MP station. And that's not you. So because you're spending so much more time at work, and typically you're going to take a little bit more work home with you at the end of every day, you have to learn to prioritize family first. And what I mean by prioritize family first is on the weekends, just leave all that work stuff alone and do everything with your family. Your phone's not going to ring. 
take those four days, invest some leave that you're going to naturally build up and give it all to your family. Really focus on in those moments, not being army, but being family. That's really about the best advice I can give for finding that family work balance. As a mentor in the cohort, what additional advice would you offer a potential applicant? The sound pieces of advice that I can offer candidates are, one, be a steward of your profession, and two, do your job. Now, that sounds a bit tongue-in-cheek or you know, heavily layered with sarcasm, but let's unpack that real quick. Doing your job, being a steward of your profession, it sounds like, of course, but what that means is you got to keep learning. You got to be the person who moves that football down the field. You can't just sit there and go, well, I've made it as a W1. Now I don't have to do anything. That's not being a steward of profession. That's not doing your job. The rent is due every day. And every day you come in and it's about improving your team. It's about improving your organization. And it's about improving yourself. So if you're not learning a new thing, if you're not reading new doctrine updates, I got it. That's tedious. It kills me too. If you're not educating, teach, coach, mentoring, NCOs, and when the NCOs aren't available, if you're not finding a way to get to those analysts, if you're not building a human organization that's modeled off of, in my personal opinion, servant leadership, where everything you are doing is to serve those alongside of you, above you and beneath you, to lift up the organization, to orient them in the right way, to make the intelligence community better. There's a lot of warrant officers that get to their unit and they go, I'm going to make this desk better, or I'm going to make the 82nd Airborne better, or I'm going to make three core writ large better, but they never go back to Huachuca or they never even try to reach back to Huachuca or any of the institutional locations, maybe the Combined Arms Center of Excellence, for instance, and go, hey, this is what I've learned. I'm going to give back to the community everything that I'm learning, everything that I'm trying to achieve in my organization, all these best practices. And when those opportunities do come up, what you find is there's a lot of warrant officers that go, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted someone to champion. I'm going to go over here now and uh, QAQC this paper and still not respond to the person that I think is doing a great job. So be a part of the community. Continue to develop. Don't just be an idol. I achieved W1 status or CW3 status and rest on your laurels. Be the steward of the profession. The rent is due every day. Do your job. Be a great human being. Sir, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, we really appreciate all the insight. Um, you know, and for our listeners out there, um, you know, he, his advice, and if you're wanting to pursue this career, uh, the only thing I can tell you is go warrant now. <laughs>